something and then uh, the, the speakers bring the, uh, a totally new uh, viewpoint of it and it is shocking for you, it might be shocking for you and you have to, you have to just express this, this, this shock and it might be, uh, and you, you uh, bring your old opinion or, and, but you, then, then it might look like an argument but it is, but it, uh, that is an authentic question in my yeah. And sometimes, can I say something? Sometimes I find that um, there are particular people who have those kinds of interactions with me. It's predictable. And, um, but what I find is that they're often speaking for not just themselves, a lot, maybe not a lot, but some other people also have that same question, but they just don't bring it in. So, Besides that, that it's kind of that person's personality or the cramp or whatever, I also find that they are the one who are the sacrifice for those kinds of questions. And sometimes it does generate something um, positive, and sometimes it frustrates me. So it seems like it can go either mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Because there's kind of like if there's if if he answers it, and then there's more and more and more coming. And we can't just accept without some kind of understanding. So it seems like it's really a delicate thing, the, the challenge, the question. Mm -hmm. Well, Lee is also a masterful navigator, and us were just apprenticing to it. And so it, it helps if we can pay attention to the kind of challenge we're offering, whether it's about defensive and keeping things the same, or about exploring and changing things. Or like uh, when you're saying, it's just the reaction of learning something new, but not trying to destroy the chance to learn something new. And um, yeah, Lee's a masterful, a masterful navigator who, who's been you know, professional. He's masterful. So, he, and he'll, like you said, he all, he still will often. He'll just start cracking jokes or go sideways or read from his book again or you know, give up or or gives people feedback, or he'll do all kinds of things to um, work with that. And that's a great thing when we're around him, to get the chance to see what he's doing to, to, hold, to open learning spaces for the school to learn things in, to explore. So there's a, an additional factor that I wanted to bring up too in terms of um, teaching spaces, which has to do with just entities. And um, the, our spaces, is, is in terms of teaching spaces, need to be, it, it takes a certain level of maturity of a group of people to be together and in the service of the school, in service of the juice that can come holding the space for the, the real stuff to come through. Um, because, um, because where we go, our entities go with us. And our entities are unconscious unconscious mechanisms of, I guess you could call it psychology, but they're more energetic. They're, they're usually unconscious and energetic, and they manifest wherever we are. So, and it's a kind of another word for monkey, like I said, there's a, when I said monkey, I, I meant kind of us being the monkey, but there's also entities that are just kind of energetic things that go with us. One of them being I mean, one example was just what happened when we flipped over the tape just today. And I've had, I've, I've been trying to record, to, um, for the last few years I've been trying to make it a practice of mine to document and record the teaching spaces that I'm in. Um, and uh, often there will be physical breakdown of recording equipment. Like there's only certain kinds of, or certain individual units of recording equipment that can sustain the intensity of a real teaching chamber without just breaking down. I've had, for no reason, I've had, you know, four or five tape recorders just die on me in teaching spaces, and I'm, you know, happens to me too. Happens to me all the time. So, like even, um, so that you just have to kind of either do double backup or, or um, just keep bringing in new equipment until you find something that can sustain the intensity. It usually has to be something pretty simple and, and um, not very sophisticated, that can't be, a, you know, it's just kind of 
participates in doesn't get dis, you know upset by the energy. It participates in it somehow. Anyway, so you have to have. I mean, there's that level. But even like here, Andrea pushed the record button, and it didn't go on. So I, she and um, so even when she flipped the tape over, like it and pushed the record button and the play button exactly like you're supposed to do. The record button didn't go on. The light didn't go on, and that's so frequent and so common and that wasn't it wasn't conscious intentional i mean her whole thing was she heard that tick you know stop her whole body jumped out of that chair before she even thought about it to go flip the tape that was her intention and yet what manifested would have been a blank side of tape and that's happened that happens a lot so that's a simple manifestation of what i'm calling an entity and but there's there's so many ways that that can show up I mean, it can show up. Um, we had some residents here before on the ashram who, who would, um, who their child would come down the stairs, stomping on the stairs. Whenever we would have a teaching space going on, the child would just slam the door and scream and stomp down the stairs. Often when we would have teaching spaces here, and it became, you know, the first time it's okay, the second time you go, okay, the third time you start going, there's a pattern here. The sixth time you start going to say, there's an entity here. So it's like, there's, like, it's just a manifestation of an unconscious energetic relationship to the teaching space that is out to destroy the space. So what I'm saying is we all carry those. And they can show up uh, from as small a thing as a yawn, a cough, um, 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 like a telephone call. A lot of times what will happen is we'll be in spaces and somebody, get, you know, gets phone calls here and then, so they're called out of the space or that um, or that I'm surprised the phone didn't ring just now so. uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe oh. that, I mean, we're in a we're in a particular situation where we don't have like a separate hall or room where we're giving talks I mean we could have because I've talked in the dining room but the telephone happens to be you know our office is so intimately involved with the other spaces but sometimes I've also seen that, yeah, the entity of taking a person out of the space, Go ahead. well, I think it's all subject to interpretation. I think, it, it, I think it's a very subjective, you know, issue. Mm -hmm. What what I suspected you were going to talk about was when that tends to serve the space that somebody leaves the room and then something gets spoken about that you think that was for them to hear but everybody else hears it and then they come back in and as soon as they come back in the conversation's over and gets changed to something else. Yeah, sometimes it's like perfect, but I remember in Arizona one time going down the stairs from Lee's dining room and hearing him say, you know, where's Brenda? And I was just going as fast as I could to get out of there out of the because of the tone of his voice to get out of the house out of the greenhouse and out of the house and then my body just stopped and said oh, what are you running away from you know? <laughs> and I went back up and it was a very embarrassing thing but um, yeah it seems like our body also maybe knows when it needs to be there when it, it needs not to be there and, I'm, maybe I'm just challenging, challenging right now. So you can just say that if that's what you think. But See, if I were to say that, then that would be challenging to challenge. Well, I. One so, thing, that, so that doesn't serve. Okay. So that's why we don't say that. So one thing that I'm like currently considering is is trust, and trusting the also you know the 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 wisdom of each individual body as it is connected into the greater body and it knowing what to do or it knowing what it needs to do in order to start learning about it either that it gets in so much pain about what it, what it's doing that it then eventually like turns to the the dharma of the sangha for um, Refuge. You know, sometimes we sometimes we have to be repelled out of spaces or 
not be there or do our monkey stuff until we go, hey, I'm starving. You know? Yeah, I think somehow it's there's a there's a lawfulness to it, and it's to put a negative spin on it. I think actually takes some something away from it. That there's a negative entity that they're not, you know, a person can't hold it, or it's the denying force. I think that yeah. I think that there's a there's a there's a larger lawfulness, and I've heard Lee speak about um, just being where we are, and that we can hold so much from wherever we are, and that. Um, and that that's completely appropriate and and there's no shame in it, you know, and it's not like, I mean, if a person can take this much or that much and they have no conscious knowledge of that, nothing conscious is going on, I think that it still serves, it's still serving, you know, in the, in the larger way. The distinction is that um, entities are not negative, that's the distinction. So. The just definition we were using for entity was unconscious me mechanical manifestations of energies. So, so you, it's you not sounded like you were talking about some form of the denying force, is what the way it sounded like to me. Okay, well, even the denying force is not negative. That's an invitation to consider. So the, even the denying force, which is a necessary force, affirming, denying, and neutral forces, the third forces, those are all. Not, there's nothing negative about any of those forces. So we're just interpreting that yeah. from a particular That's an overlay. Mm -hmm. Okay, well. Entities happen. They happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's part of the process because we, we can't avoid what, what we don't even see, maybe. You know? it's, it's so unconscious that it's just. It provokes a certain behavior, and <laughs> and to call a negative adds meaning to it, like you said, spin. So there, and there really isn't spin. That's, yes. that's an added thing. Go ahead. The re reconciling force is always on a higher level than the bonds. The, the reconciling, and then the positive and negative force. The, the third force is always at a higher level. Than the mm -hmm. Yes, it so is. As it here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, um, so then the um, the thing is, is to be able to see both of those sides and rest in the middle, to rest in the reconciling part of it, to you know, to not be unaware of our personal entities that we bring. To be able to self-observe them, is that is that what you're getting at? Is well, like Folkmar said, when we're manifesting the um, entity part of ourselves or entities, when mm -hmm. there's a functioning, it is so unconscious that we don't even know. And even afterwards, if somebody tries to give us feedback about it, the first thing we're going to do is like, you know, say you're wrong. You know, like I never did that. So you're talking now about negative entities. No. So, so, so a person could be manifesting entities that are full of light and 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 you know whatever, God, you know whatever, however you want to call it, and that and that could be completely unconscious, in mm -hmm. the same way that you're talking about a yawn or a boredom. Or exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Talking tonight a lot about this uh, invoking, or, or as you or creating an angel in the teaching spaces, in teaching spaces defined in uh, coming together for a talk or listen to a tape or so. But everything so far, what I wasn't listening to what I heard. I, th I feel like it applies to every other space that we come together as a group and do something. Like if you're doing dishes together, if you're preparing for seminar, if we're cleaning up the house together. And, and, and Thanks, I mean, every little thing seems to me exactly the same thing. 
attention and watching and observing the entities. Mm. It just struck me. Just mm -hmm. The value of um, <coughs> speaking specifically about teaching spaces and making them distinct is is exactly that that um, it, if we mush things together and make it all the same then it is all kind of the same and it, the possibility of okay this is a teaching space this is a dishwashing space this is a preparation space or whatever it's like to, when we make them um, distinct like that then each one we have more options it's, it's more um, Mm -hmm. It isn't whatever. It's like we can be more functional. Okay. We can serve in a variety of different ways. Whereas, you know, what you're saying is more of a, it's um, a not as non-dualistic viewpoint. What you're saying is from non-dualism, which can't. I I mean I was actually thinking from what you were saying mm -hmm. in the beginning about invoking Lee's presence. And the example about when somebody, one person gets some food and then every dhamsana is nurtured and how everyone can have access to that, if I understood that right. <coughs> and to me it's, that is very concrete. I mean, have I don't know, maybe that is non-dualism, but I don't see it as non-dualism. It's very practical. To see, I, I see that really in, as soon as we come together and work together, whatever that is, which is like, sometimes this is called an experiment of the ashram. It's called what? Experimenting. The experiment of the ashram, whoever participates in whatever way, in whatever space, just by being here and participating, this is exactly how, how everything that was said is, is it's it's the same. I mean, it's like it's the same. It has the same answer. Like, yeah, maybe that isn't. Uh, to me, it doesn't feel non-dualistic. For me, it's just very. It, it, it really strikes me that it is not only related to this kind of space, but mm -hmm. also to every other space. Yeah, great. Uh, can I say something? Mm. I just wonder about the, the value, though. Okay, so we bring the same quality of attention and, and, and relationship to, to every space we're in, but, but to, it seems to me that value, um, labeling something a teaching space there's a, there's also a particular value in changing the energy in, in that in that way. Although maybe our attempt is to be the same person that we would be in that space, but to invoke the teaching in a different way. That it seems to me that it might dilute that intention to to um, attempt to bring it to every space. Yeah, it's like this is a sanctuary, it's the ashram, and what you're saying is true. Mm -hmm. So it's great that you're saying that. And there's value in, in making use of a special teaching space and a special cooking space and an office workspace and being on the telephone with a guest mm -hmm. and going to the toilet and etc. Studying, exercising, preparing food, washing dishes, like each one of those has unique opportunities also. Okay. And, the, and what you're saying is, of course, true, and it's really great. And the reason that we make the distinction is because it gives us more capacity, to, it gives us more power, it gives us more variety, it gives us more chances to um, serve in different ways. Okay. Yeah, can I ask you Go. Okay. Well, hold on one second, okay? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to switch it to
said we went somewhere. Okay. They did that. They were there a lot. They've been in, in, in Japan's Cancun a long time ago. This is the Vigaha that Sharon made, and there will be two more coming this weekend that people can actually hold and look at. I'd rather people not hold this one because it's ours. And um, uh, they're for sale, so I'm taking orders. And they asked me to take orders from people, so I have the prices. Again, if people want them. Um, So easily yes, it's there's different. Mm. There, there's different ones made out of different things, so mm. there's a bunch of different prices. So, and then people can give me their orders, and they'll come over this summer. Is there water running? Is it a toilet or something? I think so. I used to excuse me up there. Okay. Um, I said at dinner that I announced a different, a change in the timing of the after dinner talk. It wouldn't have made a difference tonight because the dishes didn't get done until just a minute ago. But it's the timing of the talk will actually be after the, as soon as the dishes are done. It has kind of, it used to be that way and it has sort of degenerated into starting at 7.30, which isn't um, the original intention of the talk. So the intention of the timing of the talk will be to start really immediately after the dishes are done. When Lee's here in the summer, he starts talks at 6.45 or you know, yeah. 10 minutes after dinner's finished, which basically gives people enough time to wash their hands and get in the room. But at that time, we have enough people around to handle the dishes and have somebody in the space at the same time. But here, if we're doing the dishes, there's nobody in the talk space. So it still is ADT, but it's after the dishes talk. And we'll just um, start right then after the dishes are done. Can you say so? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes there's only one or two people in here, then too, and he just starts. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. Yeah, it's amazing to be in here <laughs> when he starts to talk <laughs> at 6.15, and like, you have to have the amount of attention to hold the food that's coming in for 30 people. Like that. So I'd like to have a conversation tonight that takes a certain level of maturity to have, so as a group. So I'd like to have a conversation that um, is actually a conversation about the conversation. And what that means is um, we have this thing called teaching space. We have, and we have that generally twice a week. 
um, where uh, where like a darshan, we're not actually um, the speakers in that space. We're not actually the ones speaking there. We're just listening to a tape generally, and then everything else comes through the ceremony and the um, the, the formal structure of the. Procedure that we have at the darshan, like the whole darshan exchange and all that. So that that space is kind of handleable by itself. And uh, and um, then we have two other spaces that are really unique, a unique opportunity for us here in France. And those spaces are the teaching committee meeting on Sunday mornings, and then the after dinner talks which is our Wednesday nights here now. Sometimes we have two a week, but in general it's one a week. And those are a, an opportunity to, as a group, gain the capacity to function in a way that serves the school. And to have the conversation about what a teaching space is, is a, requires a requires a level of maturity to um, have that conversation because it's a conversation that uh, we, we may have made assumptions about or we may have expectations about or we may have, it may be controversial. And, um, but I'd still like to go there because I've noticed a few things that um, make it possible to have this conversation and, so I'd like to take advantage of that. One of the things, well, I mean, just even tonight, there's been a couple of a couple of things already that have indicated that we're ready to have that conversation. And also, on Sunday, um, when I came down late for the teaching meeting, I came into a space that was already um, called in the name of our school. It was already set up with a puja table and a picture and a candle and I think even flowers and the um, tonight you know again we have we're here there's a, a puja lit there's um, another candle lit up here that Brenda just could you know she wasn't probably even looking around the room her body just sensed that there was something um, incomplete and made her look to see if it was if it was lit or not and then she found out that the candle wasn't lit and that in the, the way that we set up the space to have this talk in the physical domain that it, it was necessary to light that candle so she didn't ask she didn't hesitate she got up and lit the candle and now the candle's lit and it sort of completes the space there's also another example of that um, just a minute before that. What was it? Well, like, anyway, Andrea's sitting over there, and if the phone rings, she's going to jump up and answer the phone. It's sort of like we have, we have some things worked out where um, it's, it would be valuable to start to consider, okay, what is a teaching space, and how do we work together in a teaching space so that teaching space really happens and really serves the school and really um, makes makes a difference. There's a... Um, so, a couple of distinctions that we could start with is that a, a teaching space is called into existence in the name of our school and it's called into existence when two or more people are gathered in the name of our school in, in a teaching space. And what, what that means is that, um, you know, what I said to begin this talk is I said this is an after-dinner talk. So in our school, it's a formal uh, declaration that this is one of the two teaching spaces that, we're, that we call into, into order in that name. And so um, it's... It is possible that two or more people are gathered who are members of the Sangha, but it's, they're not gathered in the name of, of the teaching space or the school. And so what gets invoked is 
other things that aren't aren't that. And so some of the distinctions we can make about what is a teaching space and what is not a teaching space has to do with a teaching space is a space in in which we're working together as a group to um, be a listening for the teaching. And the teaching isn't necessarily uh, a linear thing, nor is it a, a rote thing. Like, we have this word that we call dharma, and we have the idea that dharma is, uh, or can be, um, coded into books. And, and like, so a number of times we'll, in the teaching space, we'll actually read from the poetry book, or we'll read from other books that Lee's written, or articles from magazines, or um, the Bordello News, or other books, we'll actually read from those. And, and But what I'm offering us to consider is the idea that the Dharma that um, can be experienced in a teaching meeting, or a teaching space, is not a not a rote linear dead thing that can be um, coded into books, but it's actually a living thing. So it's, we might be using words to uh, um, to actually communicate with each other, but the the, the Dharma itself is a, a more of a living um, energetic. Lee's called it food, or um, there's some other there's some other words for what the Dharma is besides just um, what's written down in books. What can somebody help me with this? You know, what else is the Dharma? It's like an energetic food or um, substance. Mm-hmm. A substance, yeah, for building matrix. Mm -hmm. Like it's the it's a material for building matrix out of. Subtle. Um, he talks also about um, subtle, subtle communication. Okay. So between the Sangha members and especially. Okay. Yeah. And on the on the humorous side, in terms of Lee giving the teaching, he's called it a song and dance. Okay. That that, that he does to just distract us while he makes the real teaching available. <laughs> so that's. That's exactly transmission. Hmm? transmission. Yeah, the transmission. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for. So, a, a teaching space is a space in which is a sanctuary for the transmission of what we call it the Dharma, but it's the it's that which comes through when we're distracted enough by the song and dance, so that so that the real teaching can come through. So, it, the invitation for us when Lee's not here, physically, is for us to learn as a group, to be able to work together as a group, to create the opportunity or the space where that kind of food can come into the Sangha, which means in our bodies, because we're just members of the Sangha. And when that kind of food comes into our bodies, it goes into the whole Sangha. And an example of that would be some, I'm sure you all have examples, but there was an example recently where Lee had something and he fed, it was actually a physical food, and he fed it to one or two people in the Sangha, and then he wanted to make sure that they ate it. It was actually physical. Does somebody remember the story? What, was this story? What, did, what did you say? That story, what was he feeding them? Feeding you. Yeah. Well, what's another guru there, Nana Guru? And he make a uh, very humble, you know, he pronounced this guru, the guru is really well known in, in Thirubhanamala, and this guru gave prasad to me, and this uh, uh, Sudama sisters, and, and they pronounced it to him, and when he, when he grew you know, rose up, and this uh, guru touched, you know, her brother had a communication was, you know, that moment was divine. Then after that, he left, and, and the Nana grew, and we peeled very quick, immediately he, he left, did the, the um, tendering, I think so. 
And then he gave a little pieces to two people who wanted to men. And I was one of those men, so for a moment I feel I felt special, no? And at that moment I felt special, he says, and this goes through the Sangha a different way. Something like that. Exactly. So it's a perfect example of Lee's um, intention is to feeding the whole Sangha through any individual. So if any individual in the Sangha gets fed, then the whole Sangha receives that. Yeah, it relates to his, his insistence that we never miss anything. Mm -hmm. Never miss mm -hmm. an event, we never miss a teaching, we never miss space. And, and we, and individuals through the Sangha and throughout the world are being um, moved, if they're following instructions from Lee, they're being moved to be in certain educational or experiential circumstances almost like a pseudopod from an amoeba. Yes. Do you know what that, can you say that off Deutsch? No, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Claire, can you? Pseudopod. Um, an amoeba is a one-celled animal? Amoeba. A pseudopod is a false foot. That's what it means in Latin. And it's an extension of, it's a, of the amoeba that one part of it goes out in a certain direction towards a food and it engulfs the food and then that leg suck, gets sucked back into the organism with the food and it brings the food into the body of the organism. So we, if we are following these instructions, we are individuals in, a, in different parts of the community, are sent out to different experiences or different educational things. Things happen, circumstances. And we have that ourselves, but it's not for us. It's for the school. And if you, and if, uh, it helps to know that. It helps to know that you're being used by the school and are serving the school when you're sent out and you have this experience and you bring it back in, that it's actually not for you, it's for the school. Would you say that it's also for the work? I wouldn't, because mm -hmm. I don't use that word very much. Mm -hmm. I would say it's for the school. I would say the school serves the work, but but I'm not gonna pretend like I know what that means very much at this point. Even though when we are in the service of the school, I know that we are serving the work. I don't use that word very much personally. There's the there's the thing about um, serving something that serves the work. So we're not necessarily directly serving the work, but we can serve something that serves the work. And that's kind of probably up to the master's discrimination about what we're really doing. I don't think we can tell that ourselves. So the consideration tonight is how can we as this part of the Sangha here in France learn to hold the space or create uh, a teaching space so that the kind of what gets invoked. Do you, do you know that word, Ostrich? Invoked. Invoked. An invocation. Invocation. Mm -hmm. Called for. Hmm? Herbeirufen. Yeah, that works. Could you say it again? Here. Sense of called. Yeah, so that what's being called into this, the teaching space is food for the school. It isn't about us, and it isn't, it's just, it's about serving the school, and we have the opportunity to do that. You know, when Lee's here, we have an opportunity to participate in that, and we get fed from it, but when Lee's physically in in Arizona or on his one of his um, you know trips into Europe during the summertime and he's not physically here then we have the opportunity to learn to do that ourselves and it's actually more than an opportunity in my experience it's a responsibility and we've been here in France for over six years and we've been uh, we've had that opportunity ever since day one that we've been here and we have at times had this conversation before in one form or another, but um, and we've been more or less successful along the way in terms of actually incorporating the the um, 
teaching about what it is to serve the teaching, or like the teaching about how to serve the school through a teaching space, or the teaching about teaching spaces. We have, we have been more or less successful in, in terms of being able to receive that communication as a group and hold it as a group and learn to use it as a group. And um, I'm having, I'm having the, um, the invitation here for us to continue to make steps in that direction to upscale our ability to be that. Um, because I, uh, like that's, because that's the purpose of the, you know, one of the purposes of this sanctuary here in France, you know, theoretically we could successfully do our job if we simply stayed alive, paid the rent, and kind of mowed the grass until we got back here each summer. Like, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't leave any dead bodies, if we didn't get arrested, and if the place didn't burn down, you know, if we would successfully do enough for Lee to um, keep this ashram here. But we have an opportunity, uh, uh, and even, like I said, a responsibility for something like more um, sophisticated than that. And it's taken years for us to even consider that have the, the possibility of considering that in a conversation like this, which is actually a conversation about our conversation. It's a conversation about our ability to hold a, a teaching space and run a teaching space as a group so that it serves a function that isn't just um, quelling. Um, what is quelling? Quelling is like, what well, quelling personal fires is what I was going to say. So quelling means to like putting, a, putting water on, dousing. Like sometimes, sometimes we need to do that, and that's not necessarily the function of this group. It isn't just to, so um, it isn't just to try to make it peaceful here, just so we like each other, or so that, um, um, so that we can get along together. That's sort of a minimum. It's like a minimum requirement. What, what? It's sort of like what we have to pay to get into this chamber. What we, the price we have to pay to get in here is just being able to sit together in a room and have our attention here in the room on this and not be in um, conflict. You know, it's like basically we have to have a relationship with our monkey so that the monkey isn't um, running around, you know, destroying things. So, um, do, do people know what I mean by that? About the monkey? I mean, I have a couple questions, and they could be monkey questions, so... Well, go ahead. It's kind of a risk when they ask them. Go ahead. First of all, I'm wondering, just um, if you think that that's not happening, if you think that teaching spaces aren't being created successfully, or the transmission isn't coming through in a certain way. That's one of my questions. I can answer that. The answer is, no, I don't think that. Okay. No, this is an invitation for it to... Um, to just you know have a conversation about how we make that happen better, how we can serve okay, that. Because those aren't the kind of conversations I hear people having. I rarely hear somebody say, "Gee, how could we um, invoke Lee's presence stronger? How could we engage the drama?" I, I rarely hear anybody have those kinds of conversations. So I'm just kind of questioning you about what those conversations are. And the other thing, my other question is. Um, and it's probably a languaging thing, is that my experience over the years that I've given talks from before I came here, with not very successful talks, but, and the years here and having that is like a big, big part of my job and now doing um, seminars is that when it seems to be what I would use the word success would be when I was able to get out of the way. So the actual teaching space that landed wasn't about me. It was just me being able to be a vehicle or even be nothing, but to be um, that empty space that Lee can come through with maybe you know a little bit of um, cosmetic on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of going back to your first question, 
it's probably true that we don't have much of a conversation like, like we're invited to have tonight. Okay. So that doesn't mean, your first your question was like, is the teaching happening in teaching spaces? And we all know that to, to one degree or another it does. What I'm saying is there's a possibility of, there's a possibility of doing what's called building an angel that as a group. When we have the opportunity, the invitation is open, like it's wide open for us to do what's called building an angel. And that what that is, is to have a group function in such a way that, that the group itself is an organism that is, consists of everybody who's in the group. And each person plays a role in the group that is um, uh, required, it's necessary. It's like if you don't have one person, you don't have your left foot. If you don't have one person, you don't have your right eyeball or something like that. It's like we really are part of the organism as a, as a whole. And uh, the invitation is for us to work at that level so that in my experience, the teaching kind of comes through because it's so available on, on, on a place like this, the sanctuary, like this, the ashram, the, the, the presence of, is so available and it is almost like as soon as you give it the slightest chance, like say, okay, we're having a teaching space, it's like, it like wants to squeeze in and come through. So it's not because, it's not because we've made the garden so much that actually just blossoms and kind of erupts through here as a, or just floats down and it's sort of like it kind of squeezes through because uh, through the cracks. So what I'm saying is we we have a chance to individually start start learning how how to um, work as one member in a group to bring in the to create as a whole group <coughs> the garden with the um, the real stuff can come in without, with less and less resistance, with, with more and more, uh, more and more like um, receptivity. It's like in order for us to receive the teaching, we have to have a necessity in ourselves. And we have to have, be able to listen to that level of teaching ourselves, which is, a, those are qualities, both of those qualities, the listening and the receptivity and the, that both of those things take years to build. So, I'm not saying a one-time thing, like this is not a one-time thing. It's, this is a, an invitation to an ongoing consideration about um, being, sourcing teaching spaces on this ashram and, you know, in the future in any other sanctuary where we're serving in a teaching space. To um, even, we're either giving, you know, being the space holder or whatever, or the, the speaker, or we're being a participant in the chamber like anything we learn here will is like an education of the school like the school is educating itself to learn how to be better and better at serving we're more talking about the work and that's an evolutionary process so it's up to us to kind of consciously participate in being a member of the evolutionary process being part of that and we have an incredible chance to do that here in the teaching spaces in the ashram here in France. You have other questions? No, I, I just was having a question about um, sourcing teaching space because it seems like the person who the participants are equally as important in the creation of space as mm -hmm. the person who's sourcing. <coughs> kind of the source person is the driver. See, that's a high, that's a high order conversation because it looks so obvious that the person who is a space holder or the speaker is is sourcing the space. That's what it looks like. But the truth is that it's actually the other way around, almost. That the participants in you know everybody else who's not in the hot seat are is their ability to listen to or call forth or have necessity. That's what really holds a space or determines a space. And it's easy to prove that, but... Um, well, it's like the, the teaching being kind of like if a person asks the right question, it's almost like the, the right buttons pushed for the teaching to come forth. And I remember that here particularly with the question that Louie asked about hopelessness mm -hmm. and the whole like, 
feeling that came for all of us from that. When he asked Lee that question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not only, yeah, so so like Louis may have opened the door. But a real question, a, a, quite, a, a real question that was really, a, and a, um, that he was really searching for an answer about, not just fabricated, like not just a fabricated question with just the words, but like coming from the person's heart or their being, something like that. Yeah, so, the, so there's a, so some of the distinctions are about the quality of questions that we ask. Are they intellectual questions, or are they in curiosity questions, or are they um, like conceptual questions, or are they are they real questions? Like are they questions from from a, a gap in our matrix that is we're willing to speak from that gap rather than pretending like the matrix is all together? Are we willing to actually go into the part of our matrix that is gapped? and speak from there to call into that the food that's necessary, that, that that part of the matrix is hungry for. Like those kinds of real questions may give the, allow the teacher to be used by that which comes through the teacher, get used by the teaching, and it, but it requires a, a kind of listening. So that's one distinction is the quality of the questions that we ask. And I think the, the quality of attention that we bring to the space. Quality of attention, could you say more about that? Yeah, um, that if a person is really here in the space and, and engaged, even if and it has nothing to do with speaking or not, but if their energy is engaged in the space, it contributes um, energetically to uh, the possibility of the chamber, the possibility of it.